0: I wanted to go quickly to our first topic, which, of course, you know, I have to say I I decided when I went on my trip that I was going to unplug from the news because I'm constantly looking at the news because of the commentary that I do all the time and having the show. And I think sometimes it's unhealthy to just get inundated with all the tragedies in life. But I made a mistake uh, a few days into my trip. I turned on BBC and International News reported about 15 minutes after the Highland Park shooting. Uh, what happened and of course it's even more terrifying even more um uh, sad when you are so close and uh, you know and you know people who have grown up there and people who live there and it's so close to home that uh, it's just really tragic uh, but it did make international news and uh, again calling for guns to be controlled and and all of those issues being spoken about and then of course the former prime minister of Japan being shot added to that discussion um, but I do want to talk about this topic uh, it's not as fresh as it was was when it happened, but the topic that I want to really discuss is the issue of parental responsibility for adult crimes. Um, you know, this the shooter is accused of using a semi-automatic rifle to open fire, and of course, killing seven people and wounding thirty more. And as we learn more about the home life, at least what we see in the media, we're learning about certain threats he made and how the police were called to his home, and there were domestic incidents, and there were, and there was also some controversy about how he actually possessed the weapon. The question is, will the parents face criminal and civil responsibility for the actions of their adult son? And with us is to to discuss this is Pat Campanelli. Patrick Campanelli uh, was a Cook County prosecutor for 11 years, where he tried and convicted defendants for various felonies. And for the past 25 years, he's defended people uh, from all walks of life charged with crimes. He's been on the show many times and has been a friend for oh, almost four decades. Pat, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today?
1: Uh, good, good afternoon, Your Honor. Uh, uh, Karen, <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Uh, you can call me, Your Honor.
1: I'm you, so sure used to doing that. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just want to say thank you for uh, inviting me on your show.
0: Yeah, it's always always good to have you. And, and you know, I always say Pat Campanelli is if it's a person, if I were in trouble uh, or anyone in my family were in trouble, she, the, Pat would be the first call. Yeah, You know, you're a scrappy lawyer. You're an excellent lawyer. You're a smart lawyer. And, uh, and, and we've got, actually, Andrea Line, as you probably heard, is also on the show. And I'm sure, as yeah. you know, she's one of the best. In, in our city yeah. too. So let's talk a little bit about the facts here, and we have we have to go to a break in just a minute. But I just want to just. Kind of what I have read, Pat, and I'm going to summarize this a little bit, that back in 2019, the defendant uh, attempted suicide by machete according to a police report. Then several months later, he applied for a gun permit. Police came to the home. Also during that time, after a family member reported that he had a collection of knives and had threatened to kill everyone, um, the, the, the police uh, they disputed the threat of violence. There's some little discussion about what exactly happened, but in the end, the father signed for a gun. And now we know the rest of the story. The first question I have before we take a break, and we only have a minute, we're going to take it on the other side. What generally is a parent's responsibility from a criminal aspect uh, for the crimes of their adult child?
1: Well, no person uh, is responsible for the criminal actions of another person, adult, whether it be a parent uh, of an adult uh, child or not, unless there is an obligation or a duty, uh, and that would have to do with whether you're aiding uh, the crime itself uh, and considered what they call accountability in the legal term, or help- helping someone in any way. Uh, but otherwise, there is no duty. There are duties that become statutorily required uh, in certain instances, and we can talk about that after. After to stop, especially in this case after the break. You know, I, I think that's an issue.
0: Yeah, let's do that, and I want to kind of take it apart and think about what the possible liability could be, and given the facts that we know, and again, what we're hearing is somewhat uh, you know, disputed sometimes, but and we don't know all the facts until uh, there's a trial, <clears throat> but I'd, I'd just like to kind of pick it apart with you to see what the criminal responsibility might be. We'll take a break right now, and we'll come back. You're listening to WGN. We're talking about the Highland Park park shooting and we're talking about the possibility of criminal charges against the parents and again we're not suggesting that they should be brought or that there are facts that are here that but I but Pat Campanelli uh, is going to talk to us a little bit about this. Now as you said before the break that that adults don't have criminal responsibility for the acts of other adults unless there's some extenuating circumstances. And, Pat, from the facts that we have seen in the media, what facts do you think might uh, imperil these parents for a possible charge? Well, if if
1: the facts that I see in the media that that are telling them are true and correct, I think some of the things that we we see that the parents would have to worry about, mainly the father, is... um, he was under 21, and therefore his name or his parent or guardian had to sign to get him that that weapons or allow him to get the weapons um, in for the for, uh, firearm owner's identification card, as we uh, commonly call the FOID card, uh, and that affidavit. Uh, the last section uh, prior to the signature section uh, talks about that they give consent to a minor applicant to possess and apply the firearm um, that they are uh, they shall be liable for, liable for any damages revol- resulting from the minor's applicant's use of firearms or firearm ammunition that actually gives a burden on the parent when they sign it now <clears throat> according to this we We look at this libel, do they mean civil or do they mean criminal? Uh, And that's the issue. Uh, And I think what happens is once you uh, take that duty on, uh, then there may be, when we look at the totality of the circumstances or all the facts, how much did uh, the person signing that document know? Uh, We know he had some some issues in the past that Dad knew about. Um, and then is it an ongoing burden? If there, anything happened after that, um, should he have contacted the state police to have that void card uh, terminated? Uh, so I think one of the issues is, and, and a lot of times parents will say, well, I thought he was going to buy one gun. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, limit it. You cannot limit it. Once you sign this document, your son can buy as many guns or your daughter can buy as many guns or as much ammunition as they want. There is no limitation on this document. So, so you have to look at that. You have to look at the totality of the circumstances. Um, and if it's his money to purchase the gun and when he gave the gun, and did he know that he was a danger to himself or others? I think you have to look at that. We've seen history that he was a danger to himself. Most parents know that there might be projection. If it's not an action against yourself, you may project uh, towards other persons. Uh, so this may be where the issue is. And I think uh, it, the state would have to essentially get a lot of uh, facts surrounding the purchase and knowledge of these guns by, of the dad. Uh, and that could be done by uh, obviously looking at the history of the family relationship.
0: And, you know, you were a prosecutor for 11 years. Um, and is it fair to say that, that prosecutors have discretion in in the charges they bring? right yes and and one of the considerations could conceivably be deterrence and setting an example that is a legitimate reason to bring charges is it not
1: well I, I think and I'm not so sure I agree totally with that uh, co- concept the, the the law itself is the deterrent uh, in other words it's out there uh, to make an individual one individual the uh, the child uh, so that everybody sees that this is what's going to happen, meaning the person that you want to hang out there. I'm not sure that that's a, a duty uh, uh, or a violation of an ethical duty of a prosecutor. We're not, we're not supposed to, when you're a prosecutor, use any one person um, to dangle and say, see what can happen because you're dealing with an individual's life unless that person did violate one of the statutes of the state of Illinois. So just to charge him because we want people to show, even though we know we're going to lose this case, would be wrong. But if it did violate the statute, then you should do that. Um,
0: I don't know if you followed the case in Michigan, and this was the case, I think Crumbly was the last name, and uh, this was a school shooter in Michigan, and there were some uh, facts prior to him shooting uh, regarding the parents having knowledge of the child's mental illness and making some uh, notes and some pictures that were very uh, disturbing, and the teacher bringing it to the attention of the parents, and the parents apparently not doing anything about it or not taking away the gun and, in fact, allowing the child to have Have access to this gun? Um, Do you do you see anything similar here to to this? And from the facts, again, we don't know the facts at this point precisely. But do you see that those and, and those parents were charged, and that was an unusual charging, and it kind of made national news because because of that? Do you see these facts as being more egregious or similar?
1: Well, I think the first thing you do is you look at the age, and I'm not sure if the ages were the same. Uh, uh, that person was uh, uh, actually still in school. Uh, so the, uh, the burden or the requirement of the pa- parent is much greater than when you're dealing with an adult. Uh, at what point can you cut the, uh, the strings to your child and let them be an adult and not be responsible for them? So I think that was one of the issues, plus the fact that they didn't go back and do anything uh, with knowledge uh, in in, uh, in this case, can you show mom or dad in, in the case in Highland Park? Can you show mom and dad uh, knew that he was now a, an actual danger or knew or should have known that he was an actual danger? Uh, I don't know if anyone has anything where mom or dad knew that uh, there was some threats against other persons or himself uh, before the shooting. And I think that's the big issue. In the other case, you did have that knowledge. You did have a young person who was still in school and probably of a younger age in which the parents still had responsibility.
0: What advice, you know, and I've seen this issue, Pat, you and I have uh, I've referred you cases where um, I, I've had parents come to me with adult Children who have mental illness challenges, serious mental illness challenges, and the parents are very concerned about the actions of that adult child. What advice would you have for parents out there who might have such a a family member, even even maybe not a a, a child, but maybe a a somebody in the family who has challenges? And, And what can you do because it's it's not an easy thing to have somebody committed? What kind of advice would you give to parents?
1: Well, and I do that all the time. I, I try to explain to my clients that you know, their mental illness may cause them uh, in stressful situations to act in a way that they shouldn't do it. The, the number one thing is to have uh, some kind of psychiatric licensed uh, clinical social worker or a psychiatrist uh, uh, always available to try to respond to the behavior uh, of the action. And sometimes as a parent, you have to cut those strings and say you either do this or you're not going to get help from us um, because far more the parents are the victims of uh, mental health aggression than anyone else. We see this uh, is the, the Highland Park issue is the media we see, but we see much more family uh, injuries, family uh, attacks that occur uh, from people who have uh, mental health issues. Who we see it all the time in domestic violence. Uh, courtrooms, we see it all the time there. So uh, the family itself has to set up a program so that the person must do it or uh, or other actions will occur. Right? Sometimes the parents have to say, you can no longer come to our house until this is addressed, especially when you're dealing with the, with the uh, adult Children.
0: You know, and let me clarify because I think I want to make it clear that m- people with mental illness issues are largely more likely to be victims of crimes than to be perpetrators. Um, okay. and, and and that and so that me, what I'm trying to say is that just because someone has a mental illness does not mean that they're going to be an aggressor and to be violent. However, when it comes to mass shootings, uh, you see that the vast majority of the people who are accused and convicted of those crimes do suffer from mental illness. So violence, not so much, but in this mass shooting kind of situation, mental illness plays a big role.
1: And and what people have to realize, especially the people who have the mental illness and the family members, is mental illness is a illness. If your son had a bad heart, you would make sure that he gets the medical attention he needs. If he faints and can't control himself, you're not going to allow him to drive a vehicle. For some reason, uh, we have this negative connotation of mental health is different than physical health. And it's not. The, the brain is an organ. So we need to address those issues as if we were addressing physical health issues in our communities. We have to do that. Uh, people won't go over to a, a person who has a mental health and help them, uh, but they would if he had a physical health issue. And, and the truth is that both is the same it,
0: Pat, uh, just quickly, we're running out of time here, but there is no death penalty in Illinois. Is it possible that the federal government could bring charges against this defendant?
1: Well, the uh, federal government does have the death penalty. They do have it for first-degree murder, but they don't use it for first-degree murder very often. We see it a lot in treason. We see it a lot when the victim uh, is a witness, or that is a state or government or law enforcement personnel, um, but in this case, uh, and, and I and again, this may change things uh, because we it's happening so much more often with the death numbers being so high and the injury numbers being so high uh, that the federal government can go after these kind of things, but they haven't in the past. And they've let it to the state to decide. Uh, the charges and the actions. So whether they do or whether they can, I I can't.
0: uh, Can't predict that one. Pat, can you give out your contact information if anyone uh, wants to contact you?
1: Thank you. My office number is 708-598-8540. And I have a a service that we work work 24 hours a day. Thank you.
0: Pat Campanelli, thank you so much for joining us. As always, have a great rest of your Sunday.
1: You too. Thank you.